mobile plumbing is the key ingredient here, Brian. I mean, instead of running like crazy to acquire more customers, why don't we analyze the existing ones so that we can understand what should we do differently? First, before pouring resources and wasting money on traffic acquisition, let's understand what made our best customers uh, have this habit of buying from us or what would they want to, want us to do in order to, to install that habit for me. And Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to predict the success of their marketing campaigns. Marketing magic is real, and I'll teach you how to harness it. Valentin Radu is a businessman and a successful businessman, having built the first online car insurance company in Romania and selling it within a few years. So if you're Valentin, what do you do for an encore? Well, you build the tools you wish you had when you were building your business and you offer them to other businesses so that they can be successful. Well, you can lead a horse to water, but he still won't look good in a bikini. It turns out that these exciting tools bump up against something less procedural and more human. Imagine this. You're offering a magical machine that lets you read the thoughts of the people coming to your website. Not the personal stuff, just the stuff that applies to your business. You can see how they solve problems. You can try different designs, different copy, different calls to action, and see if they find it easier to buy. And you don't have to redesign your website. You can hear what they're trying to do and what is confusing them. You can point them to the information they need at any time, and the magic tools wouldn't violate their privacy in any way. Now, you might be skeptical, of course, but would you be resistant to this? The answer is that you probably would be. This is human. There are a number of biases that all humans harbor. These biases, confirmation bias, availability bias, novelty bias, survivorship bias, they all work together to keep us doing what we've always done, even when we clearly need change. Fortunately, humans are also social animals. Our biases can be upended by the behaviors of others. When we talk about using social signals to change human behavior, we're talking about culture. In a company, culture is a huge, powerful lever. This also makes it difficult to move, especially if you're not a leader in your company. You can feel like Sisyphus pushing that boulder up the hill over and over again. The opportunity, however, is great. Marketing has always been about knowing your customer, and we've never had access to more information about them. Will you be an agent of knowledge, or will you remain mired in your biases? These are the questions we will explore in today's conversation. Experimenting with your marketing is the only way that you can truly know what is working. It's the only way you can succeed. Marketing and status quo cannot go together. Well, at least for my listeners. You might be thinking that all sounds great, Brian, but how do I influence change to allow for more experimentation and affect true company growth? Well, here's what Valentin had to say. The culture sets the tone and the management sets the tone towards growth and towards experimenting. 
But if you are in an old way, old school uh, company where you are the, the guy which just uh, wants to change things around, uh, you, I, don't, I don't think you have too, too many chances to, to succeed by doing experiments and experimenting and changing things around. And uh, it's not always have to come from the top, but I think it's uh, is the best in terms of how the things are actually moving. So if um, if me as a marketer says, eh, you know, this data and analysis and all these new tools, I'm just not quite ready to learn this stuff. You think there's going to be plenty of places for me to work in the next two years, three years? The jobs for for people willing to to experiment are uh, are going to be more than they used to be. I mean, people are are looking over and they are becoming more data driven. And mainly, the I've had a, I had a discussion three days ago with uh, with the CEO of uh, one thousand uh, people, one thousand employees, and he was looking for for things like uh, velocity of testing for his conversion rate optimization team. So the KPIs, once you have the KPIs and once you have big companies doing it, I think this is going to be uh, a status quo. But the, the, the problem that our industry has in the conversion rate optimization space is that we don't have enough professionals and we don't have enough track records. So most of the, most of the users that we have on Omniconvert are not succeeding to, to properly set an A-B test. So the, the, there's a huge gap between how should you properly set a test and how should you succeed with the testing plan. And most of them are looking for, are short-sighted and they are just looking to, you know, let's, uh, let's do an A-B test and let's succeed uh, and get, get this uh, out of our way. Mm-hmm. So they are not, not looking like in SEO where that industry is much more uh, older is much older and they are looking uh, over an on, at the SEO like an ongoing process. Unfortunately, CRO is, is being overlooked as a, as, a, as a checkbox that you need to tick and then move further. To some extent, though, uh, the uh, Magento plugin that we were just talking about, the recency frequency monetization model, that's something that can give someone an early win. Generate some data that's easy to understand, uh, present to the, uh, to the rest of the company, and then maybe start to open the door for more long-term investments. Is that fair to say? Yeah, of course. So I have my own, let's say, understanding, and I, I, I've even made a, a methodology. It, it goes very well with the design thinking uh, methodology. So I think... Companies which are actually oriented towards growth, they do one thing very clear. So they look at the KPIs that matter. So they try to move the needle to, or they're on, the, on the vital KPIs. So they are aware that the, the factors to generate growth are this and that. So I think once we can give instant value and clarity over the, the growth factors or for, for these companies, then they will understand that they are at the phase where they are aware. So a growth optimization framework that I'm using and I'm preaching about uh, has four steps. For, first is awareness about what matters. Then is the research about 
what's going on and why these KPIs are not moved. Like, let's say you have awareness about the fact that what matters for your business is the lifetime value. And then you have the research that gives you clarity over who's the buyer persona, who's the ideal customer profile that has the largest lifetime value. And then you build a strategy around it and then you come up with the uh, with a plan where you measure other things like the number of hypotheses around moving the needle or increasing the lifetime value. How many insights have you generated out of your data? And then the fourth step is the experimentation where you measure other things like how many experiments uh, do you have? What's the incremental uplift in the lifetime value? But if we as optimizers, we don't make the decision makers aware that what matters for them is the lifetime value and the fact that uh, it's useless to acquire customers so that you lose them next month. We, we are not going to move the needle. So the reason that we built the RFM uh, model within Magento and the reason we are uh, showing the KPIs such as uh, lifetime value or the retention rate is to put things into perspective because I think we are disconnected. We try to sell our, I'm trying to sell my tool and a lot of agencies are trying to sell their services without clearly being aware that their customer are, customers are not aware about what matters for their business. So maybe they are looking on the bottom line and they are just seeing the, the P and F. They are not looking at things like the, the balance between lifetime value and the customer acquisition cost. So they don't know what they don't know. So first we need to make them aware and that's why we've built this Magento extension to give them clarity over how impactful uh, their, let's say, true lovers in, in their database are because there are, we've been seeing uh, things like uh, anomalies and we, we've been seeing things like 0.46% uh, of, the, of the customers were generating 15% generating of the total revenue. For uh, for an e-commerce, so that's outstanding. If you don't know which are percentage generating fifteen percent of revenue, exactly. So if you don't know which are their those customers and why they are so stubborn that they choose you over and over again, it's useless to spend any penny in the advertising because you you don't know to whom you should uh, address, to whom you should do the campaigns, and why. Why? What's the reason they are they are choosing you over and over again? That's amazing for me. So as we started testing as an agency, we started testing conversion rate. And as the tools got more sophisticated, we began to see that we could increase the conversion rate, but reduce the average order value. So increasing the number of transactions, but overall reducing the amount of revenue and profit. So we began focusing on uh, revenue per visit, those sorts of KPIs. Well, as it turns out, with our longer term, more sophisticated e-commerce customers, we're back to optimizing for conversion rate because they're not that interested in what this transaction's order value is. They're interested in what the long-term value is, the LTV or the lifetime value, however you want to cast that. And yeah. they saw a three-year payback on their investment in conversion optimization and advertising. That's the time frame that they were thinking they would, that was a reasonable, that was a reasonable amount of time for them to get payback from their customers. And I think before you get there, you have to be good at getting people back using email, using uh, social media to get those customers back and buying again. 
all I'm really good at is getting the first order, then right now I just need to keep <laughs> throwing money at Google, yeah. throwing money at the ad networks or throwing money at Facebook until I get good at getting my true lovers in or yeah, why my Don Juans are leaving me and turning them into true lovers. So it's a very, it's very clear and you're putting the pieces together. That's awesome. I think it's, uh, it's important to emphasize here, Brian, is that nobody is, uh, let's say, everyone is well-intended, right? So everyone actually wants to do their job better. It's just that we are really disconnected and we need to educate entrepreneurs. We need to educate e-commerce managers. We need to educate marketing managers with what, what we know. Because at, at some point, I'm, I'm so frustrated because mainly I can't get to some customers and I can't, can't make them understand why we, what we are actually saying. And uh, when I realized that they are talking in their language, in, in their language of PNL and whatever, then I need to, to empathize. You know, I need to, I need to be empathic and I need to understand what they are struggling with. So if we don't educate, we can't sell. And I many times feel that way uh, in the sales process for what we do. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are people who are uh, who seem to be ready. I guess that's the language we use. But the truth is, if we could learn to speak the same language, that might be all that's needed. Because we, yeah. the technology and the data does have the power to accelerate revenue, accelerate growth, reduce churn, uh, improve lifetime value, improve uh, subscription length. Um, whatever your key metric is. And for those of us that are steeped in it, we sometimes look at folks and go, I don't understand why it's so hard for me to explain this. We need to simplify our, our jargon, right? To, to speak their language. So let me, let me give you an example of how we, we, we've closed one of, our, our, one of the largest companies in, in Europe in terms of books. So they, they were selling books and they, they were... They were speaking with me at the, at the conference. We've met together, me and the, the, the CEO of this company. It's a pretty large company in, in Europe. And they weren't into testing. They weren't into conversion rate optimization. They were only buying media a lot. They were doing SEO and they were just adjusting the website in the old school manner. Like, okay, let's change the website because it's outdated. There are two years since we've changed the website. So no incremental uh, experiments and no, com let's say, data-driven uh, changes on, on their website. So I've understood uh, instead of preaching about, hey, conversion rate optimization is awesome and it has this compound effect and whatever, I've, I, I, I've took some time to ask, uh, to ask them, what are you struggling with right now? And he was, he was saying like, you know, I need a new warehouse. So I need to invest like uh, 8 million euro in, uh, in another warehouse because this is way too small for us. And which are your options? So we can write a, a, a project because European Union are, is incentivizing the companies to, to do this, but that will, will take too much time. I could uh, borrow money from the bank. I could get a new investor. And, and I've said, or you can bootstrap, right? Yeah, I've always been bootstrapping, but I don't know if I can uh, afford to, to invest this amount of money. So mainly I've got the discussion to the point where it made sense for them, for, for the CEO to look at ways to increase the revenue and why do they need the revenue. And once I've aligned 
my conversion rate optimization and the fact that they can produce much more revenue after I've seen, I, I've, uh, I've allowed them to, to, to understand that they are wasting a lot of money right now by not optimizing, he was very open to it. And they've actually started uh, to, to, to do optimization after that discussion because uh, people are people, you know, we make, we make like 95% of our decisions irrational. So his focus was on the warehouse, but once I've aligned conversion rate optimization in his top three priorities, and the first one was the new warehouse, then it makes sense, made sense for them to start doing a CRO. So what, you're, what I'm hearing is that companies need to be incentivized like employees. We motivate them by offering them a bonus if we hit a certain goal and there, Saying, and if I get that bonus, then I can, uh, I, I can buy that the boat that I want, or I can get the, the fishing rod that I want, or um, whatever yeah. it is that I'm working for. But it only is effective if we have that kind of specific incentive in mind. What you're saying is that instead of starting at, hey, you can get more revenue if you hire us, you're saying, well, tell me what your challenges are. You need a new warehouse. Yeah, exactly. Oh, how we could get more revenue from the traffic you're already paying for to give you that warehouse. And then suddenly it changes the conversation from something abstract. Yeah, because it's, it's in, in your suddenly in his agenda, right? Because his agenda, I mean, you know that effect, right? That we are not looking at the, at the website and we are not seeing everything, right? We are just scanning with, the, with our fovea on, or on our retina, we can see only like a rectangle of 200 pixels. So that's what's happening with CEOs and decision makers and companies as well. So if they are focusing on a, on a certain thing, you will be uh, clear in their vision only if you go to the area where they are focusing at that moment. So if they were focusing on the new warehouse, that was it. That was their agenda. And these were their priorities. Outstanding. I love that example. What, uh, can, can you, do you have any other examples of uh, things that CEOs are focused on? I imagine if you ask them the question, if I could find 10% revenue from what you're already doing, just magically hand you 10% more revenue, what, what would you do with it? I imagine yeah. they we would add more people, we would add warehouses, we would uh, invest in some research and some new products, we would go out and find new vendors. I there's some very interesting answers. Today. Yeah, exactly. And the uh, fact is that we are disconnected because our our priorities are different. Our daily routine is different. You know, a, a CEO looks over those KPIs. He's managing a lot of things. He's making sure that he's reaching uh, his goals, and he tries to to stay, let's say, sane into all this mess. You know, because the the bigger the company is, the, the the harder the the bigger the burden is. Yeah. To, to, to keep everything together. And uh, mainly the, the companies which are not doing yet optimization and they are not having like a growth team or at least hiring a growth agency or a CRO agency, they, they, are, they don't know the game they are in because they don't have the experts to translate them in their terms about what should be their priority. And another thing is the pace that they have. So they have this operational uh, 
operations uh, efficiency that they are looking at. And once they say they, this, the strategy for this year is to do this and that, they, are, they need to do only this and that. So if you get into their picture, it's hard for them to allocate resources and, and budget. So that's why we need to educate. And that's why I think CRO, it's a long-term game. I, I, I presume in the, the, the next five years, maybe we'll reach a, a penetration of 80%. At, at this point, from, 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 our, uh, from our research, 70% of the enterprise companies are using uh, an optimization platform to, 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 to change things around their, their websites. But once you go to, to mid-size and to small companies, that percentage, percentage drops dramatically. And I think you don't need like a ton of traffic. I think after you have like 50 to 100K visits per, per month, you should try to optimize things around there. So you should try to, to at least ask your audience, at least uh, look at the, uh, at the data anomalies. At least you should understand who's your buyer persona because you have enough traffic to at least ask your visitors what's going on in their heads. Absolutely. And that's part of the research that makes you better at picking what to test when you ultimately go out and test. Let me just put a button on this concept. This might be one of those things that an, an internal champion, uh, someone who gets it, but who is not a culture driver in the company, line marketer, yeah. line product manager, line product marketing manager, uh, director of uh, e-commerce, director of digital marketing. If they were to go and say, listen, if I can find 10% more revenue without investing in more traffic, what would you do with that money? And that puts them in a very different place rather than, oh, we're going to invest in technology and the people selling it to us says that we're going to get 10% more revenue over six months or whatever the number might be. I think that is, for me, the key insight from this conversation. Well, I think the, the internal champion is outstanding. The company has it. And if you can, can find that internal champion, the, the problem is that the, inter the, the internal champion usually can't stick around too much if the, if the culture is, uh, let's say, old school. Normally, they, they will force him to, to migrate to, I don't know, a new startup in Silicon Valley or whatever. And, uh, fact is that uh, all the companies which are outdated and which are dying because companies are dying at a much more higher pace uh, are dying because of that, because of their inability to innovate and inability to promote uh, entrepreneurs or internal champions. And it's not just online. They're probably not innovating in other ways in their business. So we talk about data and I think it falls on the ears of people as like, yeah, well, Soon we're going to be driving everything by data. AIs are going to come in and be making decisions for us. And there's not going to be any creativity left in marketing. It's all just going to be machine generated. And the truth of the matter is that what we see with our clients is that they get to be more creative because data and tools create a safety net. I can try some risky things. I could try that exit intent popover, even though everybody on my team says they hate them. I can try it and see if it works because I have this data I'm collecting. So I want to know how your tool specifically, and if you have any stories around how it has allowed marketers to be more creative, to take more risks with their mm -hmm. message. 
with their ideas, maybe even with some so, new product launches. So one one story that I uh, I still recall from 2015, it was when on our beginnings and a company that uh, started to work with us, they, they asked uh, how they should uh, should run surveys with uh, with OmniConvert. So I've uh, I personally looked over because I was uh, I'm always uh, a true believer into under promise and over delivery. Mm -hmm. And so I looked over their their business and I've uh, I've stayed with the with the uh, with the guys from that uh, fashion e-commerce startup. And uh, I've asked them things like, uh, okay, let's let's ask our, our let, let's not ask the visitors. Let's first ask the, the the customers why, how satisfied they are, and how many of them are willing to to return. So they looked over over these uh, these things, and uh, they found out that only twenty five percent of their uh, existing customers were willing to return. And uh, that was because the one of their product lines, one of their, uh, they were selling some dresses, uh, which were were looking outstanding, but they 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 were uh, they were not too too good. So mainly they've instead of uh, continuing to invest in uh, traffic acquisition and in uh, everything else. They they were focusing on, on changing the provider that because that provider generated sixty uh, percent of their revenue. So mainly they they were selling shitty products and uh, that meant uh, that was a disaster for for their uh, for their uh, business. So mainly that empowered them to diversify their brands a lot and not relying on, uh, on the brand that they were selling. That's a story that empower them to, to change their business. And they have now uh, they made something like 125% uh, year over year uh, growth rate after that year, because they, instead of focusing on acquire customer, acquiring more customers, they were suddenly focusing on acquiring uh, outstanding brands that they, they could uh, sell and that could uh, generate loyal customers for them. It's like we were talking about earlier. Uh, they their problem was not acquiring customers. Their problem was the lifetime value, keeping customers, getting customers to come back and buy more. This is what we say to our clients, um, our and our prospects is like, if you have a good product and you have a good message, we can help you. If you haven't nailed down those basic things, there's not much that we can do. And I think it, as customers are getting more sophisticated. Our story might be like, you need to know how to monetize customers over the long term to really capitalize on what we're doing. And, uh, I think the best in class companies are, are not affected by, by that because they have an outstanding uh, retention. Like look at Starbucks and uh, Amazon or whatever at Google. So not a single successful company has a problem with the retention. So that means retention is that important. And to yeah. put the chicken and the egg issue here. So, oh, they have a great brand, so they're not going to have a retention policy. But we're a smaller company. We don't have that brand. So we really can't expect to have a retention rate that good. But I argue it's the other way. They have a great brand because they invested in, God, especially Starbucks and Amazon. How do we get more people back to buy more? How do we 
customers so delighted that they won't even consider something else. And um, those are the things that I think I think data can help us discover. Yeah, I think habit forming is the key ingredient here, Brian. I mean, instead of running like crazy to acquire more customers, why don't we analyze the existing ones so that we can understand what should we do differently? First, before pulling resources and wasting money on traffic acquisition, let's understand what made our best customers uh, have this habit of buying from us or what would they want to, want us to do in order to, to install that habit for me? And even though I think branding is incredibly important and that actually uh, empowers a lot of customers to have a high retention, you can't build a, a, an important brand or an outstanding brand if you have retention problems. So let's say I'm pouring a, a ton of money and I'm advertising, I'm doing advertising at Super Bowl and I have uh, an, a brand with a large uh, awareness in the first three, four days and I have a lot of customers that are coming and buying from me. And if I'm not going to deliver on my promise, what's going on with that brand and what's going on with the retention eventually? So mainly brand is a, a consequence as well of a, of a good reputation and a good retention rate. So it, it works both ways. Yeah. We always joke that we're not a branding company, but it's a little tongue in cheek because we know there is no better brand experience than to come find what you were looking for for the right price and have an amazing experience. Um, in our case, we're, we're very focused on online. That was Valentin Radu with OmniConvert. OmniConvert is a CRO tool that helps marketers increase conversion rates. From surveys to overlays, it's a marketer's sandbox. You can find out more by connecting with me or head over to omniconvert.com. Now, when you get back to the office, I suggest that you start using a little data in your decision-making process. You can start with some data that is already just laying around. When was the last time you looked at what your PPC or Facebook ad teams were doing? Many digital marketers don't spend a lot of time with the advertising, but there are some real gems of growth there. And most of us are doing some sort of advertising, so I recommend that you call your ad team and ask them for a spreadsheet of all the ads they've been running. Go back six months or even ask for a year. You want to ask for the text of the ad, the number of impressions, the number of clicks, the cost per click, and the link URL that they're clicking through to. This is easy for them to generate. If they can track conversions, definitely ask for the conversions as well for each ad. Then spend some time with this data. Here's what you'll come to understand. Which calls to action tend to drive the most clicks? What pages are getting the most ad traffic? You want to go and see how these pages are performing in analytics. How many ads are sending traffic to the home page? This is really interesting too because the home page is not usually the best place to send an ad click. From this, you can begin to find these opportunities for growth. Are you using words in your marketing like those used in the best clicked ads? Are you sending good clicks to bad pages? And is there a better place to send traffic than the home page? Well, the answer to that question is almost always yes, by the way then share your findings with at least one other person. You have just begun culture change. Oh, you radical you. All right, scientists, that's it for this week.